Everyman Podcast. Everyman. Every day. Every way. Hello, oh. Brother Jack. <laughs> now that, my friend, was a good rhyme. Well, you've been uh, reading your Dr. Seuss books, huh? Yeah, I've been doing my thing, man. Yeah. Been doing my thing. I like to spend the first 20 minutes of every day working on my rhymes. In the mirror. Yes. With my sailor chest hairs out. <laughs> 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 I gotta learn some of those You know those like vocal techniques It's like the arsonist had oddly shaped feet You know you get get, get a couple of those tongue twisters to, to warm up in the morning Yeah man you need that You need that It keeps me, it keeps me loose man So uh, big dog Daryl Campbell how are you? You good? Doing alright man you know in the bunker Well not really in the bunker But I guess you could call it the NFL Films bunker Yeah I'm in, I'm in here practicing my social distancing But uh, getting shit done bro well, I, bet they, I bet they got a bunker or two laying around um, I'm good man I'm good I'm, I've been I've been uh, I've been kind of like a tornado Of uh, reading and learning And watching Documentaries and stuff I'm trying to learn as much as I can right now I've uh, been smoking a lot of meats, you know, just did two, two elite pork butts yesterday, uh, becoming one of the greatest Call of Duty players in the world. Um, elite. Yeah, elite. Uh, that's what we're doing. Elite stuff. Um, lots of Call of Duty. I got into this new game called Snow Runner. It's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of like Tonka trucks for adults. Mm-hmm. And it's a, yeah. it's like you have to basically, you drive heavy trucks and you take things from A to B and it's like, you got to do a delivery of metal, right? You got to take these metal planks to this electric factory, but then halfway along the route, you get there, there's a fucking crane that collapsed in the street and you need to go get a crane truck to lift mm-hmm. the, that out of the road so you can continue to, your delivery. And there's all this mud and snow and, and all wheel drive and locking differentials and you got to take pressure out of your tires. It's, I mean, I it's can see so how deep. It all starts to add up, bro. It's so deep, yeah. and it's like on the surface level, it looks like you're driving a truck slow, um, but you know internally, I'm. I feel like I've become uh, an off-road master. So keep nice. an eye out for that uh, snow runner if you, if you guys are looking for something to do. Um, keep to- an eye out for that and for king of fighters all star. Yeah, I'm going to tell you this. Lay it down. I already told you. Lay it I already down. told you. But there's a WWE collaboration with this mm. game. If you like King of Fighters, it's a fighting game. And you'll love the fact that it's collabing with the WWE, having characters that you can, I'm going to rhyme here, play in MMORPG. Mm. I did it. They said it couldn't be done, too. But I did it. Yeah, I just I just hope Macho Man is, is on the roster. Um, I have long been a fan of both professional wrestling and fighting games. Back in the day, there's a game called WrestleMania, the arcade game. Um, oh. If you're a fan of, of fighting games oh. or wrestling, you need to look this up. It's important because it was made by the studio uh, Acclaim. And Acclaim was a studio. They made a, a little game you might have heard of called Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah. um, so back in the day, they made Mortal Kombat. And they used that engine, uh, that 3D on 2D fighting thing. Uh, mm-hmm. They used that engine to make a wrestling game where... You're in the ring and you're doing fighting moves. It's it's literally the Mortal Kombat one engine with you know Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Doink the Clown, Razor Ramon, The Undertaker. Yeah. Um, it's badass and it's like that's I love the wrestling simulator games, but 
the just a basic fighting game is so much more like easier to play and it makes more sense, you know, to, to somebody oh, trying yeah. to do it. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to that. It drops in June, right? Oh yeah, drops in June, bro. Drops oh, in June. We're gonna be all over that shit. June yeah, collab. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna get in on that for show. Can't wait. For That's show. the last thing I need is another video game uh, to perfect. Yeah, dude. F two P, free to play. But uh, you know, if you want all the extra bells and whistles and be a uh, you're free to play. Yeah, like your boy here, then uh, you might want to throw some cash their way. It's worth it. Yeah, free to play. Also, you're free to spend your money on it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. they they really uh, they really figured that one out. Got to give it to those evil geniuses on the uh, microtransaction game. They 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 cracked yeah. it. Um, Speaking about crushing it, uh, you know, awesome, awesome conversation today with our boy Chris Wilson. Uh, he's yeah. an eight-year eight NFL veteran. Um, you know, we don't even really talk about football in this. We just kind of talk about life and, and what's going on in the world. And I think it was a really cool conversation, and, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, Chris is easily one of the most uh, – what's the word I'm looking for here? He is a very educated and decorated uh, young man. Um mm-hmm. You know, not only with with his time in the NFL, but you know he, he's an entertainment lawyer. He's uh, a budding filmmaker, making some incredible stuff that oh, yeah. uh, you can check out if you if you scroll up and, and check out the show notes. There are links to his Vimeo page and his YouTube and all that stuff, so you can check that stuff out and uh, give it a little looky loo. Give it a gander. And uh, yeah, gan- what's good for the gander is good for the goose. You know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. So check it out. Hang tight. You know. Be smart, be safe. And, uh, you know, we're going to be dropping a little bonus episode here soon and uh, catching up with some stuff and maybe making some changes to what we're doing, maybe doing some new things. So have a great day. Um, be safe. Tell someone you love them. And uh, let's kick it to our interview with Chris Wilson. Clip and drip. Joining us today on the Everyman Podcast is an NFL veteran of eight years who spent time with the Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles, and San Diego Chargers. He's an entertainment lawyer and a filmmaker. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Wilson. Chris, how you doing, bro? Doing really well, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, man. We're, 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 we're glad to have you. And, you know, full disclosure, we tried to do this interview uh, recently. We had some audio connections. So, uh, you know, we, we're, all, we're all friends here, and we're going we're gonna to kind of cover your story and uh you know start it from the top so chris tell everybody where are you what's up and uh, what are you doing right now man um so I'm, I'm currently in the philadelphia area um as of now i'm freelance producer at nfl films um recently graduated uh, from a couple programs at ucla one was a film program the other one being a law program um, and of course, that uh, played in the league for eight years. So I'm, I'm, I guess you could say I'm a retired NFL veteran who's on to his uh, second and third career, so to speak. Yes, a uh, young, a young retired, right? Yeah, man. Young, young retiree. Hopefully, I could find something else. Oh man. Well, I'm sure you got some room on your wall there for a few more, uh, you know, degrees and awards and stuff. I, I, I'm sure, I, I've got faith in you, my friend. I'm done with school, bro. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> See, that's it, huh, K-Dub? No more. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like it's a, you know, it's a constant back and forth. Like, you do a little learning and you do a little sharing. So there, there may be a point where I go back into 
the institutional learning mode, but I, I don't know if I can do it again. I, I I may have to take the YouTube next time around. Yeah, man. Hey, I, I don't I don't blame you going that route, and I think um, the education stuff. Like, I I admire people who um, teach, you know, and I I love to learn, and I I'm a self learner kind of person, um, you know. And as a musician, I always had opportunities to teach music. And when I was working in, uh, I was selling vintage instruments, and I would have customers all the time. And you sell them a guitar, and they're like, "Oh, well, I'm looking for someone to teach my kid or whatever." And you're like, "All right, I'll, I'll teach your kid." And I would find myself just being like, "Listen, I'd tell the parents, I'd be like, look, your kid's not practicing. I don't want to take your money. You know, I don't want to. I don't really want to be here. And you know, like, and it would be this awkward conversation, and they'd be so puzzled, like, you don't want this thirty dollars now? It's like, well, it's not that. It's just you know, I don't." want to just talk into a garbage can not you know what i mean like you're i could do this at home you know um, i really respect uh, people that can that can teach and have that desire to keep going and you know further their education but uh not my cup of tea I'll tell you what that's up hard now man i had no idea it was gonna happen like that bro like uh of course i've i've always been a curious person and somebody who respects learning i come from a t- uh, family of teachers but the formal education piece wasn't always my thing so i wanted to get as far away from school as possible but once sort of my career was winding down um and i was thinking about what route to go and didn't really have a, 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 a sure i wasn't sure about which way to go i thought school was a good place to kind of like build some skills, get used to critically thinking again while sort of deciding which direction I want to go in. I know what you mean. And I've found, I think everybody obviously learns differently. And, you know, for me, when I was in school, um, I used to always have a hard time. Uh, I'd like to go ahead, you know, and I'd get in trouble for working ahead or, you know, do going at my own pace and like things like when, you know, you're reading aloud, I, that would bother me because I didn't need the assistance of the whole reading aloud thing. And I feel like there's a lot of, at least, you know, my experience in it is there's a lot of things in education that aren't flexible to people that have a different style of learning. And it's not even like you, it's like a, like a deficit or disorder. I just mean, some people can just sit there and teach themselves. They don't, you know, they don't need that constant, uh, interaction. So that was always, difficult for me and so as i've gotten older um i've learned how to like navigate other things by learning you know like getting into barbecue or getting into you know i've been really learning about jeeps since my fiance and i got a jeep gladiator i've been trying to figure, you know learn how to do stuff on cars just by you know self self-teaching it's amazing what you can do nowadays all about the self-teaching man i, I me as far as like school i I feel you, Chris, man. You you, you, you get done playing. You kind of not really sure what your next thing is. But, um, you know, even back in Notre Dame, I got in. I thought I was going to be a chemical engineer, man. I had periodic table suspenders. My idol was Mr. Considine. He was my uh, uh, physics teacher in high school. And then organic chemistry destroyed my GPA. And I was like, yo, mm, if I want to play ball, I got to get into something that's going to help me keep this shit up, you know. So fortunately, self-teaching. Justin and um, computer applications was uh, my deal. So the the sciences of computers was my next deal, and here we are. 
a filmmaker. <laughs> you know, I mean, I got a question for you guys. You big athletes in these little desks. How does that work in college? Like, did they have special desks for you guys? Or like, were you cramped in those tiny little no, things man. too? So yeah, like lecture halls and shit like that, man. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's free. You got some free room to move, but you know, it's, it's, Hey, KW, you can, you can attest to this, man. It's just some, some, some cats just big and swollen. You I thought you guys do with it, man. I thought you guys get some special treatment there. That's, that's cruel, man. Having to sit in those nah, tiny little movie theater nah, seats. Man. Well, you know, me and, me and DC in different, different classes, we in different, <laughs> <laughs> Dif- different weight classes there. <laughs> You know, DC's a big guy for a different position. For me, I was always a little undersized for my position, actually. So I was, I've never had, I've, it's definitely uncomfortable, but not uh, impossible. Yeah, I guess. You know, you got like, you got like the Tybo muscles though, K-Dub, you know what I'm saying? You (laughs) you always, you know, you got the triceps and you got abs, like. I ain't seen my abs in a minute. You know, getting on airplanes today is still it's still very uncomfortable. Like it's, it's I'm a I'm a I'm a big guy. I didn't. It's like when you, when I'm around football guys, I feel like average or below average size. It wasn't until I stepped outside of sports and sort of had to be in the general public with everybody else that I started to realize at thirty some years old, like, hey, yo, you're kind of a big guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it must you be know, small dude. Like you're not like small, you know what I'm saying? Like you like, well, yo, Dub, you about you about my height, ain't you? Like short, an inch shorter, maybe. Like I'm, I'm about six two, six three, two two forty five. You know what I mean? And I played at that. I played at about yeah. fifty. And so in in football, that's par for the course. You know what I mean? Two forty five, two fifty. But yeah. in the general public, it's like, nah, you're pretty much bigger than everybody in the room most places you yeah. go. Yeah, I think that's the true. global average is like 5'7", dude. God, that's... Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't even know what to do with myself if I was... Nah, man, I can't. I, I gotta be. <laughs> my fashion model dream. Every time I go into a store and I can't find my size, I'm like, man, if I was only 5'7", I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's the only thing holding you back, dude. Hey, the only time I, I wish I'm small is like when I get on the plane, K Dub, you know, Brother Jay, and and then you, I, I like fumble with trying to like close and clasp my seatbelt, and then the, you know, students come over like, hey, you, you think you need that extension? I'm like, motherfucker, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> give me, give me a minute. I'm, I can get it. I swear. I'm like, just let me in here one more time. I'll be honest, man. If I was, if I was sitting on the plane and, and I saw you coming down, I'd be like, oh. No, he's gonna. I know I'm gonna. He's gonna sit on top of me or something. That's what always happens to me. I get. I get. You know, I get no, stuck the, in the crevasse. The motor seats are the worst. Like if you get, if you get into the motor seat, hey, hey, dub. You know, like the one that don't like open up in the aisle. Like on the side, it's just motor. It's like a like a ninety degree. It's just fast and you can't open it. That's the one that just be killing me, man. Because that bitch gonna crack a lot because of my leg. My leg game, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I hate the most. I'll tell you, all this bailout money the airlines just got, they need to uh, put some of that into some wider seats. This is bullshit. I, uh, even for me, you know. They, they, I, th- I feel like it's going to get to a point where you're going to have to be standing, you know, strapped to the person next to you. <laughs> Dub, you don't have that problem, right? You, you good. You can just get in and sit down and, and close it up, right? Who, me? Yeah, when you're on the plane, you can just get in, and just close it up. You ain't got to have no, you ain't got no problems, right? I, I confess, I, the, I, the first time I even saw, the first time I ever saw a seatbelt extender was about a year ago, and I, I felt bad. Really? 
I felt bad for the lady beside me. Like, I, I noticed it, but I didn't want to look directly at it because I didn't want to make her feel uncomfortable that I see her fumbling with the seatbelt extender. Did you know? Oh, yeah, I don't want her to know that I know she's wearing two seatbelts. Exactly. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Let me get this straight. She was fumbling with the extender, so it wasn't enough. It was just like. Bro, exactly. I'm uncomfortable with you talking about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, she might be listening. She needed like one and a half. Good Lord. Um, I'm super curious. I want to see exactly what's going on over there, but I don't want to. Hey, you're doing that thing. You're doing that thing where you're trying to look down with your with your eyes without looking without actually moving your head. <laughs> man, come on. She, she, she needed one and a half of them. Oh, goodness. I've got this theory when I travel and I, I've learned the hard way when you're going through the security. OK, do not make eye contact with anyone that you find to be annoying because I guarantee you they will be the ones on your flight two times I saw this like family of just untamed children they were like not even trying to, to wrangle these kids you know and I'm like oh fuck man this is going to be tough for whoever has to sit next to them I've said that in my head and then I'm like sitting on the plane doo, 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 doo. it's like you know when you know it's like light you're like oh yeah I got the seat next to me huh <laughs> And then they come on. And you're like, God. And then I learned. I'm like, you just don't acknowledge because what are the odds that that person's getting on your flight? Well, if you look at them, pretty high. <laughs> yo, yo. Apologies to the one and a half seatbelt lady out there. I was just, hey. Hey, it's all love. You. I, it's I, all I, love. I got to get an extra one, too. I'm, I'm wide. We ride together, you know. Yeah, I mean, this is America. Come on. If you're not, uh, if you're not looking for an extra seatbelt uh, to keep yourself in, what are you doing? So, Chris, what's been going on with you, man? How, how you been uh, keeping yourself busy with with all the new kind of COVID nineteen, uh, you know, social distancing guidelines and stuff? How's that affecting you uh, with with work and with your freelance work? Not much. Uh, as a as a independent filmmaker, a lot of what I do especially when I'm in the writing phase, which I'm in right now, um, a lot of that is solitary work. So, and it's, and it's, it gets lonely, it's lonely work. So it, it actually, um, whereas I may have been sitting at home in front of my computer typing by myself, now at least I have a house full of people to, to join since everybody has to stay at home. So I'm a little, I may be a little bit better off. That's good. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how, um, you know, a lot of my a lot of my friends, you know, the creative music types and stuff um, had already kind of been doing this, you know, working from home and, you know, social distancing uh, to us to a degree. So it's interesting to see what areas are affected and, and not. And I feel like um, there's going to be like a boom of really good art in the next two years because of this. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. It's where it's really a weird space, because although like, you know, Work-wise, not much has changed because I'm still, you know, plugging away at home. But it's where I really notice the changes is when I want to go out places and run errands and go into different places. And uh, it's just a really eerie scene to see. Yeah, a bunch of people on the spot. Everyone with trying to talk through masks uh, from a distance from one another. It's just like a it's just a scene out of a thriller movie. Every time I step out of the house. It's it's been very um, how do I put this? So I, ha I had an experience where I'm I'm walking out of Home Depot and to get into the Home Depot, 
to get into the Home Depot, you had to wait out, out line and they're, they're counting how many people are coming out to how many can go in. And, um, you know, when I'm walking out, I notice the steel barrier fences that they had everybody queued up in. And then I'm looking at everybody's masks and it's just such a visually striking thing. And I don't know if it's because we're, you know, we're Americans and we're soft and we're used to just doing whatever we want and however much of it we want um, and never thinking it's going to be over. But do you guys get that vibe too? Like whether it's the grocery store or Walmart or whatever, you go out and there's this sense of, um, it's like, I don't know if it's tension or unease. It's just like, it's not comfortable. It's not like a normal thing, you know? What do you guys think? Man. Kind of exciting. I don't know what you was going to say, DC, but yo, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's very bizarre and it's very uncomfortable, but as an artist and as a storyteller, it, it robs me up. Like, I'm yeah. like, wow, this looks, this looks so fucking different and bizarre that it's really interesting to look at. Like, I can't stop looking. Like, I can't look away. It's, and so I find myself trying to, like, take in as much of it as I can. I'm looking yeah. at little things people are doing and what it looks like, and I'm just like, wow, like, what, where, this is the Twilight Zone. Like, where am I living at right now? Um, yeah. this, this, is a, this is a great, regardless of what's happening, it's a hell of a story. Yo, I'm going to tell you this. So, I, I'm going to piggyback right off of that. I think, Brother Jay, for real, it is kind of like, ah, it's striking. It's different. It's, you know, there is that little bit of tension. K-Dub, you know me, man. You know, like, you always say I'm the mayor around NFL films, man. I always hugging and high-fiving and everything. Dude. It's going to be tough nothing, for you. Nothing has changed for me, bro. I was on the, the other day, like, literally on a jog the other day, and I saw one of the dopest masks this old lady was wearing. Older woman, too. I wasn't even wearing my mask. My mask was in my pocket. I was, I'm coming up, I'm booking, I'm doing my hit run. I'm doing about two miles. I come up to the lady and I said, you know what, ma'am? Your mask is flipping awesome. And this old lady stopped and was like, you know what, young man, that is so awesome. I mean, like, what's your name? We sat there and talked for like 20 minutes, literally within the whole five, six foot, foot distance thing. And she ended up giving me a hug before passing. <laughs> Duh, ain't nothing changed for me. Like this, you're right. It, some exciting stuff is happening out here, Chris. Like as a, as like a, as you, you're a storyteller. You know, you you have a creative mindset. So when you see these things and you and you and you hit at those little those intricacies, those little gems, the stuff that kind of makes your your mind go and wonder and put out some good good content. I'm I'm right there with you, man. Because I'm I'm taken aback not by the weirdness or, or the tension, but the fact that. Because we've social distanced like this, everybody is craving to get close now, even more so. And people know, you know, that that's that's really important. So, you know, if if you got the gift of gab like I do, and I know you got it, yeah, yeah, people want to get close, man. I think I think yeah, man. Like people are definitely uh, reaching out for that human connection, and I've noticed like I've I mean I grew up like not really talking to my neighbors, right? You know, every anywhere I lived, I just that my family just we didn't really engage. And then once we we some neighbors moved in and they we're really close with them now. Mom, that live by my parents, but um, I'm not the type of guy that I just like you do your thing. And if we want to interact, you know, we'll interact. You know that kind of thing. And yeah. I've noticed like, you know, my neighbors like 
we're all just talking now. We're all just shooting the shit. And, you know, a couple weeks ago, I guess not even that far ago, when the Blue Angels did the flyover, um, I know, you know, everything today uh, can be turned into a political uh, volleyball, but, um, and that was no different, which I don't really understand, but it felt like things I've heard about, right? So when my dad tells me stories about getting together with his family and watching the moon landing, you know, and how everybody got together and did that because that's what all there was and it was a big important thing. When the the Blue Angels went over, like everyone in my section down the block, out in front of their houses, sitting on, you know, picnic blankets or whatever, kids, like, I mean, just it was cool, you know, and then to get to see that, I mean, they flew like a hundred feet over our house. It was, it was wild, you know, and to get to see that because of where we are right near the Air Force Base uh, in Jersey, relatively speaking, um, that was like this weird moment where everybody I felt like was doing the same thing. And there's this like, I don't know if you want to call it like a spiritual connection or an energy connection, but when, when there's all these people that are kind of unified up together doing the same thing um, at the same time, you know, and it's a positive thing. It's like you get goosebumps at an NFL game. You know, when I go to when I go to Heinz Field and I see sixty thousand terrible towels, it's like that same thing. Um, so on one hand, we are doing these things that I think are really helpful and and cool. But then on the other hand, you've got some of the stuff that's coming out. You know, the, some of these news stories you hear about what's going on in in, in some cities and in towns and stuff. It's very it's it's crazy. You know, and you just don't know where. Uh, it falls in because like, you know, on one hand, we've got we're all not really that much affected. But, you know, somebody like our, our most recent guest, Matt Griebel, brother of the show, it's really touched his life, you know, directly in his job. So I think it's uh, we're, we're definitely in a interesting time. And I can't wait to see where uh, how the, how all of the art affects after it, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah weird it's kind of, it almost feels like we've gone back in time a little bit you know yeah. my, uh, my <clears throat> girl uh don't know what life was like before the internet you know what i mean um but a couple of days ago our wi-fi went out this <laughs> 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 we're all we all got to stay at home orders everybody is depending on wi-fi wi-fi is like our lifeline right now um so when the Wi-Fi went out, it was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Like, what are we supposed to do? Like, can you can you hook it up? Do you have a hot spot? Like, I'm like, calm, calm, calm down. People survived time before <laughs> Wi-Fi was a thing. Um, but there's that going on in the home, and then there's just people being more neighborly. People are waving to one another. You're seeing yep. uh, uh Families taking walks down the block. I've, I've never seen so many people out and about um, in the neighborhood before this has happened. So it almost feels like taking a couple, you know, going back a few decades to when people were more neighborly, to when people did come outside and wave to one another and take walks and support their local businesses and things mm-hmm. like that. It almost feels like we've taken a back into the 60s or 70s or something yeah it's you know i'm glad you, you mentioned that because you know my fiance mentioned we we went to uh we took the dog to the park over the weekend and she goes you know i've seen so many kids exercising with their parents like jogging bike riding basketball you know and 
I mean, Daryl, you, you, you're a perfect example. You know, you're getting to spend probably a thousand percent more time with your son because of this, you know, and in different capacities. Yeah. Right. Not just not just like, hey, I, I got to be and I'm just I'm just freeballing here. You correct me if I'm wrong. But like I imagine as a parent and Chris, you, you know, the same thing, like you've got to be the disciplinarian, you know, and maybe if you only have two hours to be with your son because of work and his schooling or whatever, maybe that's the only time you get as you're coming down on him. But now it's like, hey, let's go for a bike ride. Let's go play ball. Let's go play chalk. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I, I'm looking around uh, and seeing how much more I'm seeing my neighbors interact with their kids and stuff. And I'm wondering, like, man, that's that's great. And it sucks that it took this kind of thing for people to realize, like, shit, man, I'm working too much. You know, um, do you guys feel like that with with your kids, with your families? Yeah, yeah, it always takes. Well, I mean, <laughs> No matter what it is, whether it's, you know, a, a global pandemic or it's, you know, things that you're experiencing throughout, you know, your day to day, any form of adversity always puts you in a situation where you have to deal with what what's at present and come closer, come together, you know, so you can get through it. So, I mean, whether it's football, torn ACL, stuff like that, business decisions, whatever. You got you to gotta find a way to get back close to who you are and um, live through that global pandemic, man, you know. The production world just chews up all your time. Very rarely. I mean, I'm working six, sometimes seven days a week. I hardly ever am at home to have that quality present time with my son. So to wake up every morning, cook breakfast, get him, get him started with his online studies. Plus, Chris alluded to this as well. Big ups to the educators because you never really know. What, you never really know what goes into educating your child until you have to be somewhat of a proprietary influence in that light to get them through and make sure that they're up to speed with things with online programs. Like every two, three hours you have break time, but then you have to go over work and then, you know, you got to get lunch and you got to come back and then you have to, you know, talk to them when they had their meetings with their, with their teachers and try to like, t you know, step them through things. And you got to talk to, you know, the educators as well via, via zoom or online to make sure that you're in line with those programs. I mean, like, all of this brings you so, so much closer together. And, you know, I thank God for it because, you know, you're, you're right, brother Jay, it, it sucks that, you know, you got to have situations like this, the adversity like this to kind of make you realize, I mean, truly realize what's important. But at the same time, now that we know it, it's, 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 it's kind of like this, you know, Dub, like I'm in a, I'm in a mindset, like I want to come out better from this experience than when I went into it. I want to come out with that renewed mind and sense of purpose, you know, that, you know, making sure I, 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 um, I treat every, every moment and every instance with the respect it deserves and, and that I live up to it because it's time that you're given and it shouldn't be wasted. You know what I mean? I don't know what you feel, K-Dub, what you got on it? Uh, for me, it's like, I've always... Globalization it was always a double-edged sword, and as much as it, as much as as much benefit as you can get from newfound connections and being able to reach out via via technology to to, to touch someone across the world, you know, in the blink of an eye, that also came along with you know what also came along with that was sort of a disconnect to some of the things that kept us grounded. And so 
with all of this that's going on, it sort of reverse has reversed the globalization back to like, you know, your own personal space, your own country, your own state, your city, your family, more of a focus inward. And I think that that focus inward is also a, a, a double-edged thing. I mean, people are sort of having some growing pains with it and it makes people feel comfortable, but also it you have some of the benefits that come from sitting still. Some of the benefits that come from spending time with your family and spending time with your loved ones and sort of being forced, being forced to be around them is not always a bad thing because I think when things were busy, 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 people would always say, oh, you need to spend more time with your family. Mm-hmm. You need to slow down. You need to work less. You need to pay attention to what's going on around you and appreciate um, some, of, some of the relationships in your life. That, that helps sustain you and that support you. Um, and now you're sort of forced to do it. And it's like, no, these these are your important relationships. These are the people who support you no matter what. These are the people who you need, who you absolutely need to be connected with. These are the people who are vital to your survival and sort of who shaped who you are. And it's like, it's, it's forcing us to get back to that. And I don't think that's, that's a bad thing, even though it may be uncomfortable. I, I oh agree. God. I agree with you, man. And you know, I think we're seeing. You, you, you nailed it on the head there with with the globalization. You know, um, and sometimes I think that word gets a little misconstrued or or used in a way that people uh, that have a certain agenda are trying to go down. And you know, one of the first things I thought about, you know, when they started talking about they're shutting down China, um, is my medication you know, for my, for my heart condition, because I know that majority of that shit is made over in China and India. And, um, it's makes you think like, well, wait a minute, we didn't have a backup plan for, for something like medication. We're relying a hundred percent on a pill being made 5,000 miles away and then getting shipped overseas to, to CVS for me to get to stay healthy. And I think that concept we're seeing being spread around all over our, our society, you know, and back, back, you know, in the sixties and stuff and in the seventies, you had more community driven organizations and, and groups and people were more attached to their local churches and stuff. So when something happened, you know, they weren't going directly to the state looking for, for something communities helped each other more. And I think now we're seeing, um, like you're saying, man, is, is we're getting back to that. And like, are, are you, you, I've had conversations with my neighbors like, hey, if you need anything, you know, just let me know. You know, we all got things we can help each other out with if something goes down. And I've found myself in this time looking for groups to join, you know, like clubs, social groups, you know, whether it's a fishing group or something, but just I'm realizing the importance of that um, outward connection, you know, and then, but but having this like, I think we're all groups within groups, right? So it's like, I'm a, I'm an American, I'm an American man. Uh, you know, I'm an American white man, you know, and then you keep going down. It's like, I'm an American white man who plays Mortal Kombat and Call of Duty. Like you can keep going down <laughs> till you get down to the, to the 
cellular level, right? Um, but I like this idea of being able to just connect with like a, another group outside of my group that's maybe has a common interest and get to know people that way instead of just relying on technology because like you can't just rely on Instagram to make social connections or business connections or something, you know, like what we're all doing, creating content, you know? Um, and, and I think as a result of all of this, some people are going to go either way. Some people are going to come out of this more dependent on the, the Netflix and Wi-Fi than ever. And then I think some people are going to come out of this like Rambo um, and really have a fire lit under their ass after this. At least that's my hope. And that's what I'm going for. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I want to come out like Rambo, dog. Let me tell you something. I just watched. First I just blood. watched the most recent Rambo. Blood. Have you guys seen that? The most recent Rambo. But that's just last, that's last blood, right? Yeah, with the cartel. <sighs> yeah, dog. Holy shit. Yeah. Let me tell you yeah. something, guys. If you've got Amazon Prime, fire up Amazon Prime and and go watch Rambo. It's glorious. And uh, you know, I hope we don't get to that point, but. Man, a little Stallone every now and then does the body some good, does the brain some good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's good to see him in Creed as well. It was like, oh yeah, yeah, this guy's pretty inspirational. He was pretty instrumental in my life. He made me, made me want to do something with myself. Maybe contributed to uh, my athletic drive a little bit. Watching the Rocky movies back in the day. Oh, dude, oh. nothing gets me more fired up than Rocky Four. I can't even start talking about it, or else I'll start. I'll have to put the national anthem on and salute a flag somewhere. I, I, it's people in the office that don't even call Sylvester Stallone Sylvester Stallone. Like, it's disrespectful to use his actual name. It's like, no, that's Rock. That's Rocky Balboa. <laughs> like, He's a hero, man. He's fell off your hero. Don't, don't sully his name with his name. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I've been going. So, like, I, I got really on to Predator for some reason recently. And so I decided, all right, I'm going to go back. I'm going to watch all the Predator movies. So I've watched... Predator, Predator 2, uh, Predators, and The Predator in like the last three days or four days, whatever it is. And I'll tell you, man, they just don't make them like that anymore. And like Predator 2, Danny Glover is, he's a gem in that. Like he's just, all his lines, like they just, they they tried to make, they're like, okay, just say stuff you think that Arnold would say. And just Danny Glover does it, and it's just so great. Oh my gosh! And, uh, you know what? In the shit, show, did you watch the? Go ahead, go ahead. Like the, they did this in the eighties for a while. Like Tango and Cash, they were really they were just obsessed with lasers on handguns. You know, in the eighties, oh, yeah. and like every person on the LAPD in that movie has like some absurd laser mounted to their to their gun to like really draw it. You know. To really just hammer it home, and I don't know, I don't know why they were so obsessed with that. Do you, do you know? Like, what was? And then I'm like, I'm watching Commando, and it's like all it's in Commando, it's in, and then also like the way that action movies have changed to to how the characters look. Like, for example, Danny Glover, right? He's just a a guy. He's just built like somebody's dad in that movie. Nowadays, like the fifth lead has to have a six pack and be shredded. You know, and like these guys are like the bad guy in Commando Matrix, like that dude is supposed to be some special forces evil genius. And he's got like he's got he's got boobs. You know, what is this guy? What is this guy doing here? And it's like that's like Liam Neeson in Taken every time. I watch oh, man, bro. This guy, he doesn't have a special skill set. Not at all. 
That old man no. would break a hip if doing one front kick. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, man. Sit him up. Knee replacement right after the kick. That's why I love see, but see, that's why I love a guy like Keanu Reeves. Because I know right now, okay, Keanu is probably at a shooting range or in a jujitsu class or a horseback riding or some crazy shit, you know, just to just for that thirty second scene in John Wick four that he's gotta jump from a camel or something. That's how I felt about Chuck Norris. Oh man. Oh man. People, you know, I, I was watching some old Texas uh, Walker, Texas Ranger dude. He was a badass. Even then, he was still a badass. Like in, in real life, though. Yeah. yeah. You can't fuck with this guy in real life. Like that, and, 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 and that's the. I think that was the difference between him and Jean Claude Van Damme at the time. Is like Jean Claude Van Damme has some, has some sweet moves that uh, for the camera. But Chuck Norris was really a badass in real life. Like he will fucking kill you with his bare hands. At ninety five pounds, oh yeah, mess you up. Bro. Well, what's the one with him and that he's in uh, where he fights Bruce Lee? What which one is that? Chinese Connection. No, that's not Chinese Connection. Is that uh, is that uh, Enter? That's not Enter the Dragon, is it? It's, it's, I think it's Revenge of the Dragon, not not Enter the Dragon. Yeah, uh, but, 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 but. oh, okay, he did a couple. Uh, Code of Silence, Firewalker, Way of the Dragon. Way of the Dragon. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, and Game of Death. And Game of Death. Um, yeah, he certified badass, and I think he became like in more recent years. He's kind of become a meme, and uh, but people don't realize he was like he really was that dude. No, nah, dude. Anytime, like in Way of the Dragon, the way that fight started out, he bodied Bruce Lee, and then Bruce Lee came back. But yeah, I'm looking at these sideburns too, man. I would not fuck with a guy that has sideburns like that. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Nah, man. Sideburns. You gotta be a man to grow those anyway. That's what I'm you know? saying, dude. You you know. That's all, that's all you need to know. Six-inch mutton chops, dude. Not happening. Mm. Yeah, they, they, they don't... They, the action movie thing has really has really changed, and it's, it's been kind of fun to, to look back, and also, you know, like, I'm watching show... Like, I'm watching Seinfeld, and they're all, like, in line to get soup or something, and they're, they're shaking hands, and I'm like, wow, that's weird. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> just these little things like how much it's it's and I, I've talked about it before and I'm not trying to sound like Alex Jones here but there's this collective trauma thing that occurs and I think it happened with 9-11 and then we see it in every major Hollywood movie when there's a scene of destruction where all the buildings collapse in a certain way now in film um, whether it's Godzilla or G.I. Joe or you know whatever Dwayne Johnson movie you know um I think that's the kind of thing that's going on now and it's going to reflect in art where it's going to be like there's going to be those psychological thrillers about, you know, shaking hands, getting sick or, you know, uh, an, a space alien that can take over your body from the air or something. Dude, I'm, I'm ready for the, the first K-Dub. You know what's going to happen. You're going to have a B-movie, a, B, a B-rated horror movie where it's going to be like Corona Zombies or some shit. It's coming. It's I probably somebody. We should just... make it, actually. Maybe we should make it. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's gonna happen. I know it. Definitely cool, boy. I mean, especially with the way this thing is shaking out with these barren streets, it's like uh, you don't even you don't even need a whole bunch of people to do it. If with yeah. this distancing thing, we don't need scenes with with a hundred people at the. We can have scenes with like three or four people in them. Yeah, if you're looking for B-roll right now and you're a filmmaker, it might be a good time to go get some of that you know stock footage of empty streets. 
<laughs> yeah, man. You know what I mean? It I mean, you know how expensive it is to do that, to get those permits, to get the, the streets shut down? In? Come on. Dude, I'm telling you, you wouldn't even need like a, you could just, like, the zombie, you know, you don't need spores, you don't need aliens to infest, you don't, you, you just need somebody breathing, and then, you know, hey, instant zombie. <laughs> Coronavirus. Nuts. Yeah, you throw Ryan Reynolds in there, it's a, that's a tentpole uh, blockbuster. That's it. That's it. Yeah, the, uh, I, I, I do wish, you know, Stallone, I'd like to see the Expendables meet up with Predator. And then mm. somehow, even though Arnold was in the one Expendables, I don't want him to come back as that character. I want him to come back as the character from Predator 1. You know? Mm. Like, I, okay. I, I'm watching this, right? And I got this idea for a new Predator movie where it's like, it's kind of like that old story. Like, he, he, the, the, the old sheriff's been waiting for them to come back, and they finally come back. Like, he's been living up in the mountains he's got this crazy beard he's like the unabomber he's been just f making all these traps and shit and then the predators finally come back for him you know and he's just he has like his last stand but it's just it's kind of like rambo meets predator you know mm. i think that would be uh i'm sure well, schwarzenegger's trying to make some money so he uh he might he might want that and send it his way they had aliens versus predator i can see it happening yeah, and they, then they made it like a hybrid. Oh, God. Yep. A predalien. It's <laughs> time for a new action hero. Yeah. I agree. Go. I mean, I don't want to say this. I, I don't want to be the first. I might be the first person to say it, but I love Dwayne Johnson. Okay, I love The Rock. I've got some of his Terramana tequila in the freezer. Um, I feel like I need something new, you know? I love The Rock, but he's... I've, I, what about Statham? What about Statham? I like, but look, Hobbs and Shaw was fucking great. I thought that was okay. awesome. They're they're great together, but he's starting to. I think he's going to jump the shark soon. You know what I mean? Like he's going to do too much, and he's going to become a caricature of himself. I think it's time for him to. He's got to start doing some dramas and stuff. You know, like let's get a new. You know, Chris Hemsworth in this extraction, almost, but he's not. I don't know. I think it's because I know he's Australian. I just don't think of Australians as action heroes, other than uh, Mel, who, Mel Gibson. Uh, I guess. Bill, who's your guy? Who's your action guy? Action guy. Uh, I don't have an action. I, I don't have an action guy. I, I'm definitely ready to move on from The Rock. As much as I love The Rock, um, I think I went from Denzel to The Rock. Like I would enjoy the Equalizer movies. Yeah. I still have to check those out. I hear those are great. Man. You know what I think uh, yeah. it was with The Rock? Once he started doing too many movies with Kevin Hart. I think Kevin Hart. I think Kevin Hart softened him up, and I like Kevin Hart, but I like him. I like him in small bits. Sometimes he's too much for me. He's a little too over the top. Over the top. I think he's funny though. Like his role in Hobbs and Shaw, where he pops up as like the annoying, you know. Oh yeah. I love that. I love that. But like I, I, it's after watching two or three Dwayne Johnson Kevin Hart movies, I don't know if I can do another full. Even this last, uh, what was it, Jumanji? That that was the same thing. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, good thing, for me, the thing that's funny about Kev is that that actually is him in real life. And it seems sometimes uh -huh. I, when I watch him in films, because I I got I, have, I got an opportunity to meet Kev before he blew up, and Kev, he he actually he can't turn it off. Like he is that guy. Yeah. Twenty four hours. 
day. He has that level of energy. He's always fucking with people. He is just it's nonstop with him. So sometimes when I see him on film, I wonder if that gets kind of lost because it does sometimes look like extra. It does look like he's doing the most and like like he's trying to be Kevin Hart at some time. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I and I and I think that's inadvertent. I don't think that's the case. I just think that he he can't turn it off. Yeah, I mean, look, he's a, he's a like probably, I mean, at this point, I, I think you could make an argument he's the biggest thing to ever come out of Philly beyond Will Smith. I mean, he's he's like the top grossing comic of all time. He sold more tickets uh, for stand up comedy than anybody else. You know, first guy to do a football stadium, all that shit. Sold out Madison Square Garden however many times. Um, I had nothing but respect for him, but he does seem like because I saw him on Joe Rogan recently and. He does like he's so massive and he's got he's like in his whole own world, you know, and I would think at a certain point, I think this is what we see in these Hollywood types. It's like at a certain point, they just start sniffing their own shit kind of and they're all and I feel like the rock is going to get he's going to he's teetering on that. Everything I do is a hit thing. And then he's going to put out, uh, you know, Gremlins 2 or something. It's going to be it's going to be well, tragic. I'll tell you what. The one thing I love about that is the fact that, like, even when, because, like you said, K-Dub, like, he, he, he keeps it on all the time. Because he's so over the top, it never comes off, like, you know, he's, like he's really. There's no dynamic. Himself. It's just like he's, he's just he's like, he's a he's this big goofy ass dude. He's just saying all sorts of shit. You know what I mean? So, well, not big goofy ass dude, because he's really short. So. You, you know what I love yeah. him in? And, like, I think he's so great in, like, one of the first movies I remember seeing him in was uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin. And like that role, that small argument he has, like when he gets into those argument dialogues, like his dialogue, he's such a great actor. Like it's re- you, he's witty, man. Yeah, he's but like witty. it's real, and you feel like it's like some one of your buddies is arguing with you. Like the way the way he's going back and forth about the stereo, it's hilarious, and it, it just it kills me every time. And how aggressive he is and shit. Like I just I think that's his. Uh, that's what I love. That's what I love about Mr. Hart. But you know, that's neither here nor there. I'm sure he doesn't worry about. Uh, my movie reviews on on him but uh yeah hollywood i think is going to be in uh i think this is going to really hurt them because i remember seeing last year they're saying that hollywood's like a couple big flops away from bankrupting like some studios you know and uh just because of how much money they have tied up and stuff and the theater thing is really affecting them and now the theaters are pissed because they're putting movies out straight and it's like We've been saying for years, like, just give me the movies. I don't care how much you want me to pay for it, but don't make me go to the movie theater. And now they're finally doing it. How the movie theaters had sort of a monopoly, like no one was going to yeah. see it unless it exhibited on the big screen. Not the case. So I know they're, I know they're pissed because this is sort of another hurdle that they have to overcome. But the the, the studios themselves. That's a that's a that's a tough business, man. And I mean, Disney's been doing it the best. Disney's been the most profitable studio of, of all of them for a long time. The rest of them have, have been kind of teetering on, um, you know, barely surviving and barely trying to prove to their parent companies that they're worth investing money into. Because you know, a lot of these studios are just like ten percent of a budget company. Yeah, I think that's this thing that, that people don't, you know, they lose sight of is the, the idea is, is an investment and it's to make money. And I think for a long time there was this stigma with like, 
direct to VHS, right? You know, it started with that. Or direct to streaming was like, ah, it's got to be shit, you know? Or direct to Redbox. And now it's like, well, shit, if it's good enough for, you know, Will Smith and, you know, all these guys. I mean, everybody short of Tarantino now is making movies for Netflix. Um, that that idea that consumers had that it was somehow inferior product, I think is going to help independent filmmakers, you know, because now everybody's on the same level. Yeah. I was just having a conversation about that with, um, I believe with my girl is like, yo, it, with, with this whole pandemic thing as terrible as it is, it, it's, it's hitting everybody. So, so in a lot of ways, it's kind of leveling the playing field mm-hmm. in certain industry mm-hmm. and it's creating this space where like hey if you the, the barrier of entry is lower so if you have a if you have a great idea and you are working on it throughout uh, during this time by the time this thing sort of eases up and, and, and things open up a little bit I mean you have just as good a chance as the next person that got wiped up even the mm-hmm. big things in the world are getting knocked out from small businesses to huge airlines um, everybody's getting hit yeah. yeah, and it's it's one of those things where it's like if you're if you're on, you got your eye on the ball and you're willing to take a little bit of risk, you know. I mean, we've never had this kind of time, and I'll tell you what: once this, once it gets back, man, it's not going to stop again, you know. And um, I think everybody's going to have a renewed work ethic afterwards. At least that's that's what I'm going for. Oh yeah, hopefully. So so Chris. Tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, where people can check out your films, you know, what you have coming up in the future, um, you know, all, also all that sort of stuff. What kind of, uh, where, where can people check out your work? Um, I have an Instagram page, a Twitter page, and a Vimeo page that all um, operate under the name I Am Chris Wilson. Um the films can be found there. The current, my current short film uh, that I finished was shot here in Philly. It's called Smell of Summer. Um, that one we're just sort of starting out on the uh, film festival circuit before this coronavirus hit. We recently found out that um, CAA, Creative Artists Agency, um, they have an emerging artists, emerging directors showcase that they... Um, are doing every year and they've invited me to exhibit the film. Wow, nice. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, man, man, that's huge. Yeah, thank you. Um, But because of everything that's going on, it's going to be done online rather than at um, CAA this year. But that um, that's actually coming up next week and I'll, I'll put more information about that up on my Instagram page. So um, anybody who's you know, wants to check it out can go to I am Chris Wilson on any one of those platforms and they should be able to find a link to the films. Nice. That's awesome, man. Well, I'm going to put those links in the show notes. Um, Chris, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us today, man. It's been a, it's been a fun conversation and, uh, you know, best, best wishes, stay healthy, stay safe. And, uh, you know, we'll certainly be uh, catching up with you again soon on the pod here, man. Man, to you guys too. Thanks for having me, man. Our pleasure. Thanks, Be good. <laughs>